Welcome to podcast number one of Between the Two Trees, Musings on Spirit, Faith, and Living by the Reverend Dr. Theta Franz. So hi there, I am the Reverend Dr. Theta Franz, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I've been wanting to do this for several months, but I've been putting it off. Convinced I shouldn't do it. You know how it is when you go to start something new, all of the usual suspects show up. Perfectionism's usually in there somewhere. You know you'll never do it right. And that's true. I rarely do anything just right. I'm human, so there's always going to be mistakes. I'll get things wrong. I'll change my mind about things. I've done that a lot. There was a time in my life when I thought certainty about God and about life was really important. But lately, I've been encountering and valuing mystery. And I'm okay with that. I have a dear friend who I've known for 32 years, and you know who you are. He prides himself on the fact that he's not changed much with regard to anything important in those 32 years, where, as I, on the other hand, have changed a lot. I've been Baptist and Pentecostal and Catholic and non-denominational and a little Hindu and a little atheist and a little pagan and everything and nothing. And now I don't know what I'd call myself, except that Jesus is a pal. And I think a lot of faith traditions offer a lot of wisdom. I also think my interfaith pals who refer to God as the great mystery are definitely onto something. I graduated from One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York uh, in June of 2018. I'm an ordained interfaith minister, that's the reverend part of my title. In 2016, I graduated from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia with a PhD in counseling. That's the doctor part of the title. So um, Liberty University, yes, that is Falwell's University. For anyone interested, I cannot stand the theology of that school, but their graduate program is really solid. So I'm glad that I went there. And they have some really, really nice professors, some really heartfelt service-oriented, loving folks who teach there. Um, So I am grateful for my time there. So anyway, back to my anxieties about this podcast. I had my inspiration telling me it was time, but then I had my fears saying, well, who's going to listen to you anyway? You know, I don't have anything new to say. But then one of the teachers that I love, Rob Bell, I listen to his podcast. It's called The Robcast. If you don't follow it, you need to. It's really good. Um, He says it may be true that, you know, you may not have anything new to say, but then he follows it up by saying, even though you may not have anything new to say, nobody can say the old stuff that you have to say the way you can say it. So it may not be new information, but the way you say it will be new. So we have the words of King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, but that doesn't mean there isn't a new way of putting that same old information together. So there could be a new way of seeing things, a new way of offering an experience or a new perspective that's uniquely mine that could be worth sharing. So that's what I want to do here. I want to talk about faith and life and spirit or God and how that's all coming together for me. And ideally, as this podcast grows, and I'm hoping it will, 
I want it to be a dialogue. I want people to email me with their face stories or their questions. I want to have interviews. I want to discuss books. I mean, I honestly don't know where all this may go because I'm just doing what I've always done, which is stepping into that next little patch of sunlight because that's all I can do. And because it's the only part of the path that's lit up, you know, that next little part. And that's always worked for me just to take that next little step that's right in front of me. So with that in mind, here's episode one. This episode, the title is The Lessons I Learned from a Dying Skunk. That's an interesting title, right? I thought it was kind of catchy. I actually shared it with a friend at work and she's like, wow, I would listen to a podcast that was that had that title, you know, just to find out what it was about, right? Lessons I learned from a dying skunk. A few weeks ago, I was standing at my kitchen sink, washing dishes, and I looked out the window, and I saw what I thought was a stray cat in the backyard. Um, We've been getting a lot of stray cats in our yard lately, and it's summertime, so, you know, they lay around back there. There was this black and white furry object And it was just laying in the backyard. And I was like, that's kind of weird. They don't usually lay just out in the grass like that. They're usually like under a bush or under the tree. And so I went outside to take a look and it was a skunk. And I actually asked my husband to come out and take a look with me because I was too scared to go by myself. And it was a skunk and it didn't look like it was moving. And there were flies flying around it. And my husband said, I think it's dead. But then it just kind of moved a little slowly and we're like, oh, wait, we jumped back a little bit. It wasn't dead, but it was dying. So we both backed away from it and I figured it wouldn't be long before, you know, it would be dead. So we went back into the house and uh, I didn't think anything of it. So uh, the next day I uh, got up and, and got ready for work and I noticed the skunk was in a different place than it had been the evening before. So it had moved some and I thought that was a little odd, but um, I went off to work and then I came back home from work. And when I came home, I noticed the skunk was kind of, every once in a while it would slowly kind of roll around. Maybe the tail would twitch a little bit and it would move just a little bit and it was slowly moving and it was kind of sad. It was slowly dying. And I got up the next morning to go for a walk. And sometimes I do that. We live out in the country and it's beautiful walking early in the morning. And I was thinking about that skunk and how sad I was that it was slowly dying. And I was thinking, you know, I have a friend of mine, her husband's a hunter, and maybe maybe I should give him a call and he could come over with his his gun and maybe he could end you know the suffering of this animal but i didn't really think it was my place to do that you know earlier in the week i had also been thinking about the nature of god it would be kind of weird. It might seem kind of weird to connect the suffering of this dying skunk to the, to the nature of God, but, but go with me here. I was reading a book called Divine Echoes, and the last name of the author, the, the first and last name is Gregory Karras, 
and he was talking about prayer and about how so often we use prayer, we think God is like a, a spiritual Santa Claus. We're going to pray and God's going to act. And, you know, for example, if our if we have a friend or a brother or a relative who's a drug addict, oh God, please get them off drugs. And we think God's just going to act. Whether or not that person wants to get off drugs, God's just going to intervene. And he talks about how God is self-limiting. God does not interfere with the will of human beings. Free will is really important because unconditional love is not coercive. Unconditional love is self-limiting. And so getting back to my walk, I was taking a walk and I was thinking about this skunk and thinking about how God is self-limiting. God does not interfere. And if I were to get my friend's husband to come over and and put this skunk out of its, what I presumed was its misery, I would be interfering in this natural process. And I would be, in a sense, playing God. I mean, how did I know that this skunk was suffering? I assumed it was suffering, but maybe it was just going through what was a very natural process. I mean, it wasn't making any sounds. It was just kind of rolling and moving slowly. I was the one who was thinking it was suffering. I was looking at it and thinking, oh, that must be very difficult. But I didn't know if it was or it wasn't. And as I was walking, I was thinking, how often do I do that? Do I look at the difficulty someone else is going through? And I think about what it would be like for me to experience that. And I assume that they are suffering as much as I would be. And how wrong it is that they're experiencing that. In a sense, taking on that judgment and deciding whether or not that should be happening. Sort of playing God in a sense. As I watched that skunk slowly dying, I realized, you know, there's a natural process going on here that I do not need to interfere with. There's a process that I can just allow. I don't get to decide when that ends. And if I were to decide, then that would be me playing God. So I just let things unfold as they did. And I noticed there are turkey vultures on our property. I noticed that they were gathering and within another day, the skunk had died and the turkey vultures came down on it and the skunk fur pretty much disappeared. And there's just a few tufts of fur left by the time the turkey vultures were done with it. And if I would have interfered, they would have missed out on a meal and that natural process couldn't have taken place. So lesson one was understanding that there is a natural process and I'm not God. And the second lesson that I learned was that allowing takes time. And the way that that came through was, you know, it took time for this skunk to go through its process 
um, as somebody who's really come to appreciate nature and to appreciate the signs from nature, I, um, I, I've learned to notice, like notice my environment, to take signs from the environment. And um, in shamanic culture and indigenous culture, uh, one of the things that I've learned is uh, when you encounter dead things, like if you're going for a walk and you see something dead, or if you are in a um, shamanic journey, or if you're having dreams of dead things, that usually means change. And since the thing is already dead, that means the change is already done. It's like this thing is already transformed. This is a done deal. Change is, change is happening. Or change has, this is, this is absolutely, um, transformation has already occurred. And what I was experiencing with this process, with this skunk, is that this transformation, this transition, it wasn't that change is already happening. It was slow. It's like this change is going to be a process. It's not going to be a quick transformation. And I was considering it in the context of a work-related project um, that it was going to be, I was thinking about, um, before I encountered the skunk, actually, I was thinking about a work-related project and then I was, I was thinking, oh, this, this slow process, maybe it's related to that. Maybe that uh, I'm going to be encountering some professional growth that's really going to be a process. Um, and that might be true. And it might be that it's um, some personal growth that's going to be a process. But it was a reminder to me that transformation doesn't always happen quickly. It's not always a done deal. But it does always happen under divine timing. The third lesson I learned from the dying skunk was that surrender is an important part of the process of transformation and that it's painful and difficult. So what had happened was while this process was unfolding, it was the week before my daughter was supposed to go back to college. And we were getting her all packed up. And then we did get her, we got her packed up and we got her off to school. And I was driving her back to school and um, my youngest has suffered from depression for several years and um, had to um, be hospitalized a couple times for um, being severely ill um, with depression. And she expressed to me on the way to school that she was really struggling again. And I was devastated because I had no idea. And it just really, it really hit me hard. It was very difficult for me. And we got her unpacked and had lunch and it was time to say goodbye. Now she's grown, you know, she's in her 20s. So I can't just stay around and hold her hand. And so I hugged her and let her know that we would stay in communication and she has resources there that she can reach out to if she needs to. And my husband and I came back home. 
And I was very concerned about her. Well, shh, I was worried about her. I didn't sleep very well for a few nights and I was very emotional and really upset. And I remember I was driving home from work one night and I was talking to the, the white bearded guy who sits on the throne in the clouds and I was shouting at him saying, I will not surrender my baby to you. I don't trust you. That God, I don't trust that God at all. You do not get my baby. Sorry. Not going to happen. And the next day, for whatever reason, I was going through my computer and I came across some notes from my first year in seminary. My first year dean had given me a mantra in Sanskrit. And it goes like this. Naiwa kinchit. Karomiti yukto manyeta tatwawit. I'm going to repeat that for you. Naiwa kinchit. Karomiti yukto manyeta tatwawit. Sanskrit has been something that's always been very healing to me. I love to chant. I love chanting, whether it's in Sanskrit. I like Tibetan chants. Um, I, I just love chanting. And that chant means the wise man says, I do nothing at all. It is a, a chant of surrender to the divine, to the Tao. And for some reason that felt more palatable to me, to be able to surrender to the great mystery to the divine in a broader sense instead of that old white guy that the God that I feel like I walked away from the God that I felt like disappointed me I, I endured some spiritual woundedness in my past and I felt like that God disappointed me so I walked away from that God and I couldn't surrender my child to that God that old God but when I was able to say this chant, then, then I felt some freedom. And I thought about it. Why was it important for me to be able to surrender my child and my fear? Now, many years ago, as a Christian, I would have told you I had to surrender her to God because then that God, that white guy with the beard sitting on the throne, would protect her. That God would keep her from harming herself or keep her from getting too sick or keep her from, from whatever dangers. So that's why I would need to surrender. That is not what I believe today. When I say, Naiwa kinchit karomiti yukto manyeta tatwawit, I'm acknowledging the wise man says, I do nothing at all. I am saying, I know I have absolutely no control over what my grown child does. And I am releasing the need to control that situation. I am releasing that fear so that I am at peace. And that's important because there may come a time when I will be inspired to act on her behalf and I will not receive that inspiration if I am full of fear. There will be no room for that inspiration 
if I am filled with fear, because that is how I believe the God of my understanding acts, is through inspiration and wisdom in me, not through subverting my daughter's will. So the God of my understanding will not be able to act through me if I'm full of fear. It makes it very important for me to be in a place of peace and a place of surrender. And that understanding is a very different understanding than the one I used to hold. When I was a conservative Christian, and even as a Catholic too, it was very different. It was, I held a belief in a God that um, would override human will and just do as he saw fit regardless. And I, I just don't believe that that's true because I believe unconditional love is not coercive. I believe unconditional love loves and waits and trusts and is for us and with us. And this is a really hard lesson. Surrender is a difficult lesson and a painful lesson. And it's one I learned from a dying skunk of all things. So yeah, the three lessons I learned from a dying skunk. The first is that there's a natural process to things that may look really ugly, but they have their purpose. The second is that divine timing is in everything. And the third is that surrender can be painful, but is essential. And we must do it to have peace and to be ultimately to be useful. I'm really grateful for those lessons. I'm grateful to be able to share them with you. And uh, if you're interested, I would love to hear your feedback on this podcast. And uh, I look forward to doing more podcasts. And I look forward to dialoguing and to delving further into the topics of spirit, faith, and living. You can find me at drthetafrans at gmail.com. Love and blessings.